0: Welcome to part two of our series entitled, I Love My Church. This is actually one of the funnest series that we do because some of you are going to help me preach this sermon. I don't mean that you're going to come up on stage today, but you're going to hear from some incredible people in our church whom God has totally transformed their lives. I love the stories of transformation. Matter of fact, there's a story of an a family, an Amish family, and they go into town. They've never been to town before. They don't even know what to expect, and they go to a big-time department store. The mom's off shopping while the father and the son are kind of bored, and they're looking over by the bathrooms, and they find this metal closet of some sort, and they're watching as an 85-year-old woman with a walker comes, kind of hobbles over to the metal closet, presses a button. The metal closet door is open, she hobbles in, the metal closet doors close, and then there's lights above with numbers. It goes from one to two, from two to three, three to four, and then stops. And all of a sudden, it starts counting backwards. Four, three, two, one. The father and son are looking at the, the closet doors, and they open again. Out comes this gorgeous 25-year-old woman. She comes walking right past the dad and the son, and the son looks at the dad, and the dad looks at the son, and the dad says to the son, son, quick, go get your mother fast. (laughs) That's funny, I don't care what you say. But obviously, that's not how transformation takes place. We love stories of transformation, though, don't we? I mean, they're really big right now on social media and on television. We love stories of transformation, and here's why. We love to see the before picture, right next to the after picture, because that transformation gives us motivation to think, if they could do it, so can I. Well, today, I don't, I don't want to talk to you about a physical transformation. Those are amazing. But today, I want to talk to you about what Jesus can do in the lives of people to give a spiritual transformation. And I want you to be motivated. I want you to hear from some people who have been maybe where you currently are, And God has totally rocked their world, transformed everything. And I want you to be able to leave today saying, if God can do it for them, he can do it for me. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? I mean, this is what the story is all about. And I want you to understand the impact that you make as a church. Every time that you tithe or give or pray or serve, you're making a difference for eternity in the lives of so many people. And it's strange to think that we started this church with 22 people. And now over 3,000 people come on a Sunday. We count every week. And here's why because every number represents a soul, every soul represents a story, somebody that Christ died for to to raise them to a new life, to give them the fresh start. I'm telling you, Jesus loves people. And he has a plan on how to reach people. And I want to go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Go with me in your notes, everybody. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Jesus said this He says, I will build my church. It's possessive. It belongs to him. He says, it's going to be so amazing, nothing in the world will be able to stop it. Even the gates of Hades won't be able to stop the church. And then Ephesians 5 comes along, and Paul says that Christ is the head of the church. It's his body. Everybody shout, his body. His body means that the church is directly tied to Jesus. Okay, let me say something. It It might catch you off guard, but listen to me. You cannot decapitate Jesus. You can't say I love Jesus and hate his church because the church is his body. It'd be like you saying, Sean, we love you, but we hate your wife. I mean, I wouldn't be okay with that. Jesus is not okay with that. Jesus' plan to reach planet Earth is the church. And you need to know that Jesus Christ is the Savior. That's what Ephesians 5 says, that Christ is the head of the church. And then it says he's the Savior of the church. Listen to me when I say this, that the local church is the hope of the world. Say that out loud with me, everybody. Come on. The local church is the hope of the world. One more time. The local church is the hope of the world. It's his plan to reach people on planet Earth. And let me ask you another question. Okay, If Jesus was willing to birth the church and then turn around and lay down his life for the church, how many think the church is probably pretty important to Jesus, right? Well, it's super important to him. It's the only thing he ever built. Let me ask you a question. Why do you go to church? Some people say, man, I go for the music. I go for the worship. I want to worship God. Well, I I love the worship at our church too, but that's that's not the only reason you come. You can do that by yourself. There's great bands, and you can go on iTunes and listen online to great worship music by yourself in the privacy of your own home or your car. Well, some people say, man, I come for the Word, man. I come preach the Word. Well, that's important too, but listen, you can do that alone too. You can do that in the privacy of your own home, your car. You can listen online to great preachers. You can do all this stuff alone. Listen, the only thing you cannot do alone is love and serve people. And that's why we exist as a church. Jesus wanted to provide a place where we can do life together, that we can equip people to reach people. Jesus has a love language, everybody. I know many of us have a way that we feel love. For some of you, it's gifts. For some of you, it's, it's words of affirmation or, or kind acts, acts of service. I understand that. Here's Jesus' love language. It's people. That's the test. Like, God knows how much you treat him by how you treat people. And I know some of you are like, I don't like that test. I want another one. But I'm telling you, that is the test. God loves people so much, and he knows how much we, treat, how much we love him by how we treat others. And when you join this church, you're not joining a clique or a club. You're joining a search team because Jesus wants to build the church to reach the world. I want to show you a story today of an amazing couple that their life was totally transformed by the love of Jesus right here in this church. Let's check it out. Just passed In-N-Out, and man, we need some animal-style fries right now. I'm kidding, of course, because we are actually on our way to yet another story. Stories are the best. And... Solomon's making an illegal turn right as we speak, but we're going to be okay because he has Uber driver experience Today, I think this next story is going, to, is going to change your life And I love hearing people's stories This next one is going to move your heart in such a powerful way Matt and Rosie are the best They've been coming down for several years And and what God's done inside of their life has been nothing short of transformation So I want you to sit back, relax, and check this story out And then we'll go get some in and out This is so exciting. I feel like TMZ. Come on, let's go. Surprise, Fellowship Church, home invasion. Come on. Do you guys love your church? Yes, indeed. Do you love your church? Absolutely. What about you, man? You love your church? Yes. (laughs) Strong, strong yes. Thanks, you guys, for letting us come in. We're crashing it. Matt and Rosie, thanks so much for taking time to to share your story with us. Now that we have consumed all of your chocolate chip cookies and strawberries, (laughs) now it's time to hear your story. And the church is going to be so blessed by this. I'm so thankful that God's grace has been poured out over your family. And I know some of your story, but I want them to hear it. Take me back to where you were before Fellowship Church. What did that feel like? What were you doing in life? What, What were you feeling?
1: For me, I was feeling lost and broken, um, looking for answers in the wrong places, not knowing, you know, that it was right in front of me the whole time. It just took me to open my eyes, and when I came to Fellowship, it it all changed.
0: How long have you been coming to Fellowship Church?
1: A little over two years now.
0: Wow,
2: about a year for me.
0: Tell me about your story, man. What- what, what happened before you met God here at Fellowship Church?
2: Got into some trouble and spent four years in the juvenile detention facilities and when I came home at 18 didn't really have anywhere to go, sleeping on a best friend's couch, just doing nothing with myself and I was very depressed, very angry and the only thing that stopped me from being angry is partying. Going out, and drinking, just being a part of the wrong crowd, and it just—I held on to so much. I felt like I was in control of things. And it was just a grudge against my father and people around me. It—it it, it was a very tight, negative grip on my life. To be 100% honest, I didn't care to—I didn't care to talk about God. I didn't care to know about Him. I felt that. It, everything was against my favor and it was just a bad time, a bad season in my life that I'm, I'm glad I got to overcome. met Rosie and after that she introduced me to Fellowship Church and coming there it's, it's changed my whole outlook on life it's given me so much hope and the exact words of the church, the hope and healing it's healed a lot of the pain and grudge and just old negative stuff I held on to for so many years, it's gave me a chance to let go of that and give me hope for the future and know that just because of what my past is and what I've been through doesn't define who I have to be for the rest of my life.
1: For me, I think I felt um, just very unloved a lot of my life. I always had my mom, but my dad left when I was very young and Drugs were just um, a priority to him, and I wasn't. And I would wait out of the window for him, you know, weekend after weekend, and stare out the window just wishing and hoping that he would come down that hill. And he never did. As I grew up, I think I was looking for love in all kinds of different places, with, the, with my friends, with, with guys even, you know? Um, I just wanted somebody to love me for me and accept me for who I was. So I, I, I found it in partying with my friends on the weekends and relationships, but I never felt complete inside. It was just an outward look that I showed people like, okay, I'm okay, this helps me. But that's never what it was for me. And I feel like God was always tugging me on my heart to, to tell me like I'm right here I'm right here and I would hear him but I would ignore him because I think I just felt abandoned you know and if you loved me then why did I go through this in my life
2: everything I felt throughout life of everywhere I went to people don't care about you you know you, you have nothing to offer you don't you don't have much you, you know you don't know a whole lot. so I always kind of felt like an outcast and as soon as I walked up to those church doors, I did not feel like an outcast at all. I felt like, this is, they all accept me. Everybody I'd seen, and as soon as I stepped on the cement, people were saying hello, good morning, shaking my hand, hugging me. And, and it was like, okay, this is different. And it gave me such a sense of family that I've never really felt before.
1: It's unexplainable. It's. It's like welcome home without anybody saying a word, just a smile or a handshake.
0: Through the church, Jesus provides several things. As we learned last week, he provides a place to belong. He also provides a place of grace. And write this in your notes, everybody. He provides a place to be planted, a place to be planted. Psalm 92 is a great verse. The Bible says that those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. It's a great verse. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they're the ones who get to flourish. Okay, look at me, everybody. Everybody look. There is no flourishing without being planted. There is no flourishing without being planted. And I believe that God is pointing to a very unique truth that all of us need to be planted in his house. My mind immediately goes to these firm, tall, redwood trees like nearwood Forest. It's where *Planet of the Apes* was filmed. If you saw that movie, just north of the Golden Gate Bridge. But if you've ever, if you've never been, you need to take a day and just go with your friends, your family members, and see these enormous trees. I mean, they are so big; they're like skyscrapers. They're huge, and their roots go down deep. Here's what happens when the storm comes, when the wind blows. They are immovable. They're not going anywhere. And a matter of fact, I was teaching on this one time, and. A, young woman came to me after, and she said, Sean, guess what? You're really going to like this. That not only do these, the roots of these particular trees go down deep into the soil, they also grow and interlock with the other trees and the other roots around them so they are even more strong. Can I tell you, that is a beautiful picture of our church. Because not only do you come to church just for you, you come and you do life with each other. It's a picture of small groups. Your life is interlocked with other people, and you become even stronger than you'd be by yourself. We are better together. We are stronger together. And we just launched our small group semester this last last week. And I want to encourage everybody to go to thefellowshipchurch.com forward slash small groups and join one. Just join one. Pick one. And I believe that your life, as it's stretched out and intertwined with other people in relationships, you're going to be stronger. I guarantee it. And God comes along and he wants us to have this picture in our mind from Psalm 92. That those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they will be immovable. They will flourish. They're the ones that are, that are going to grow. Now you look at the redwoods on one hand. Now think about the tumbleweed. Okay, the tumbleweed, why is it that it's always in every old western movie? Why is that? Just kind of rolling down the road. You've all seen the picture. You have two guys, cowboys, that are about to face off. And they're on a dusty road somewhere, and they're about to draw their pistols. And then you hear the whistle, don't you? The whistle goes like this. <whistles> meow, 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 And that's, that's the sound. Matter of fact, help me out. Create the atmosphere. We're going old west on us, everybody. If you're sitting on the sides, I want you to do the whistle when I count to three, all right? As loud as you can. And then if you're sitting in the middle... I want you to do the wow, 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 as loud as you can. Ready? Here we go. Everybody together. One, two, three. (laughs) I bet you sounded like a bunch of sick cats out there. (laughs) And then what happens next? You know what happens. It's the tumbleweed comes rolling down the road. Why is it that the tumbleweeds are always blowing in the wind? I'll tell you why. Because they're really big on top. They look big but they have tiny roots, and that's the reason that they're always blowing wherever the wind takes them. You never see an oak tree just rolling down the, <laughs> down the road because of the wind. You never see that in an western, just ka-klunk, 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 I'll tell you why. Oak trees stay planted. You know what? Here's the truth about tumbleweeds. They go wherever the wind blows them, can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, God does not want you to be an, a, a tumbleweed believer. You're just kind of twirling around through life, rolling down the street like, hey, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Life is a little out of control right now. Pray for me. He doesn't want you to live a life that's out of control. He wants you to stay planted so you can grow and flourish. Can somebody say a good amen? Ephesians is a great verse. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 Paul is writing, and he says, so Christ himself, again, Jesus birthed the church, and now he's going to do something for the church. <clears throat> he said, Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. This is what's known as the fivefold ministry. Here's why. To equip his people for works of service, again, the pastor, teacher, prophet, evangelist, they're, apostle, they're not to do the ministry. Our job's not to do ministry. Our job's to teach you how to do ministry. Because God knew that when you do ministry, you come alive. That's his plan. We're coaches. That's all we are. We're trying to train people to make the biggest impact on the planet as possible. So we have this five-fold ministry, training people for works of service. Here's why. Watch this. Watch this. So that the, underline this phrase, body of Christ, that's the church, may be built up until we all reach the unity and the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves. Or blown here and blown there by every wind of teaching. And the cunning and the craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. You won't be unstable. You'll be mature, firmly planted. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to become in every respect the, underline this phrase, mature body. Again, he's talking about the body of Christ, which is? his church, of him who is the head, that is Christ. Verse 16, from him the whole, here it is again, the body, the church, joined and held together, just like those oak tree, or those, those, those great redwood roots, joined together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Can I tell you, maturity does not come just with age. There's a lot of people who are older in age but are not mature in the Lord. And I want to encourage all of you from the, ver- from the word of God, we mature when we grow in the knowledge of Christ and when we serve. We cannot expect to grow if we're just coming to receive information. Like, I'll oh, just preach another good sermon, Sean. Preach more, preach it, preach it. You're going to get some time, you're going to get some information, but if you don't use that to serve other people, what's the point? God wants us to serve people. And that's why our growth track is so important and our dream team. But God is calling us, to be firmly planted so that we're not tossed here and tossed there. and Maybe it's flat-out false teaching that some people have been deceived by. Maybe it's a false sense of identity that the devil has come and tried to trick you into believing that you're not valued, you're not loved, that God doesn't have a plan for you. Matter of fact, that's what Matt and Rosie said that they struggle with. They struggled with this fact that they didn't know who they were. They didn't know who they were created to be, and they didn't even know that they were loved which then led them to be blown in the wrong direction, which then led them to feel broken, hopeless, alone. I'm telling you, they needed a church to love them and to provide a place, write this down, a church is a place to bring hope and healing. It's a big slogan at our church. It's on the wall. It's on everything we put because we believe that Jesus Christ wants to give hope for tomorrow and healing from your yesterday. It's the word of God. It's the church of God that provides safety, provides a covering, provides protection, provides a place where you can grow in your faith so that when doubt comes, when depression comes, when thoughts of suicide come, when other things of despair come, you're not swayed, you're not thrown off track. You are firmly planted in God's word and in his church. Can I hear a good amen? God's heart for you is that you're firmly planted in the house of the Lord so that you can flourish, that you can grow. And if you're not flourishing, I would question, hey, do do I feel planted? Am I really planted in a church? And as many of you know, as you grow personally, here's the good news. Just Just like one of these big, great trees, you begin to grow, and you can provide shade for other people who are desperately in need of that. You can provide fruit. The fruit of your life now is given to other people. I want you to check this next section out of the video to see what God did next.
1: I found purpose at the church when, I, when I'm serving and I'm greeting people at the front door. It makes my heart smile. If they're having a bad morning and they walk in, your smiles are so contagious.
2: For me, I found purpose in the church um, as soon as I started serving. I felt like I found a purpose in, if I could, like I said, give somebody else that welcome feeling that, that I felt that that's what I'm here for.
0: Here's what I found. Church becomes really fun when you stop coming just for you. And when you begin to come and say, what kind of difference can I make in somebody else's life? I'm not going to just come for me, just to feed me, but I'm coming now to say, there's somebody hurting and broken. I was well received. They poured grace out on me. Let me now pay that forward. And when we realize that what I'm a part of is bigger than the part I play. And you all greeting people at the front door, making coffee, that wouldn't be like the biggest ministry in the church. You don't get a microphone. You ne- you never get to sing on stage. You probably can't even sing. <laughs> but but there's a moment in the, in in service in church where you see those people get giving their life to Christ. You see people getting baptized. You see them being restored. And you go home and you say, man, that's how you live a day, yes. connected to purpose, making a difference in eternity. But I'm telling you. I've been so proud to watch the growth over you over the last couple years and see what God is doing it just seems like you're getting it there's some people that just you just get it you apply the stuff you you've been through the growth track you're on the dream team you're in small groups
1: I thought the growth track was um, very helpful I mean it, it does exactly what you say it helps you find your purpose in small groups I've loved every small group but uh, life group was, was really life-changing for me personally and um, in our marriage and strangers that become family and sometimes they're they're closer than your than your blood family and i talk to those people often and i see them at church and it just is a sense of comfort and love and i don't think that you can experience that if you don't if you're not in a small group if you don't experience a small group, you can't experience that feeling.
2: For me, what I've found through Growth Track and small groups is that I think it gives you an opportunity to definitely find your purpose. That is one of the biggest things. But I also think it gives you more of a chance to realize that there are plain, clear, A to Z, black and white instructions on how to make your life better and feel better and just live how God wants you to live and serve his will and do right by that. And I feel like that's the perfect place to figure that out and to see that. And if somebody says, hey, do you wanna make your life better in a few easy steps and you turn that away, then I pray for you that you turn around and reconsider because that's definitely what's given me the the motivation to continue to keep going and continue to serve people and continue to grow in myself and as well as in the church.
1: At Fellowship Church, I've given my life to Christ, I've been baptized, I've found purpose, I've found hope and healing, and I've found family.
2: For me, um, I've I, I found a new beginning. Getting baptized and leaving the old me behind in that watery grave. And moving forward and the small groups, I've definitely found a lot. And God's given me the hope and to see His grace on me every day. Every day I wake up and get to go to work and come home and see my family, that feeling of, I felt nothing. And now He's given me so much, and I feel every bit of it. And that's what I find so exciting, that if you're patient and you just follow the steps, He'll take care of you just like he always has, even when you weren't following the steps. He still was taking care of you.
0: Let me ask you one more question. This is a deep one. Where would you be without your church?
1: A scary thought. Alone, broken, I I, I don't even know. I don't think I would know who I was. I, I, would, I, I think I would just, the word to sum it up would be lonely, alone.
2: I think for me, without Fellowship Church, I would be in all the worst positions, it would come down to jail, death, homelessness, I would be everywhere but where I'm at right now and I'm so thankful and so blessed and so lucky to know that I found this before it got too far and even when it does get that far you just come in and it can be turned all around.
1: We're, We're the Bouchards,
2: and, and we love our church. The church is a place of hope, and
0: it's a place of healing. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Look in your notes, everybody. The Bible says, may the God of hope, our God is a God of hope, and his, his heart is to fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Listen, some of you have lost your joy. Some of you have lost your peace. God wants to fill you again, but you've got to trust him. You've got to trust his plan. His plan for the church, His plan for you, so that you may overflow with hope. Listen, by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That's exactly what happened to Matt and Rosie. They were, they were depressed. They were alone. They were broken. God filled them with all joy, with all hope. Now they're just overflowing with it, man. And that, that is overflowing into the lives of other people. Which leads me to this next point. Write this down, that the church is a place of purpose. It's a place of purpose. You're created on purpose, for a purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says, we're God's workmanship, his handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared, watch this, in advance for us to do. That word in advance means that God had purpose for you first and then he created you. God's never had an uh uh-oh moment. He's never had a moment where he's like, hey, what are you going to do with him? Gabriel, come here fast. I wasn't expecting her. She's an oopsie baby. Like there's never been a moment where God has felt that in life because there was purpose first. He created you for that thing, that purpose. There was a what before there was a you. And our job as a church is to help you find out and discover what that is, everybody. Our heart is that you understand purpose. There's purpose on your life. When did Matt and Rosie understand purpose? I'll tell you when. When they came to the church, they went through our growth track, got on the dream team, and started serving people. That's when they found purpose. Okay, listen to me. It is impossible to find purpose without serving people. It is impossible to find purpose without serving people. Some people just think, I'm going to get more information, and I'll find purpose. That's a good place to start. But if you don't serve people, you're not going to experience the purpose of God because the purpose of God for every believer is to build the body of Christ, we just read that in Ephesians 4, and to reach people. I had my appendix out about a month ago. I'm doing pretty good, and uh, went through a little bit of pain. But here's the funny thing. I asked the doctor, and I've asked several people, like, what does the appendix even do? <laughs> like, what does it even do? And no, nobody can give me an answer. Everybody's like, I don't know. I'm not really sure. And I had this thought, everybody. Here's a thought. Listen, I want to encourage you. Don't be an appendix where you're a part of the body, but nobody knows what you do. God has a purpose for you, and when you connect to the purpose of God in your life, you're going to come alive. I guarantee it. You're a 10 in some area, and we want to help you discover that so you can help write some stories like these. That's when you come alive, and Proverbs 11.25 says this, that he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I get this picture. Many of us in life, we're pushing ourselves to the front of the line, and there's a drinking fountain. We're like, "I, I need refreshment. I need refreshment. Me, 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 me. What happens is you never become satisfied as long as you live a selfish life. But Jesus, through the pen of the writer of Proverbs, says, listen, he says, if you want to refresh other people, if you do that, if you, if you spend your life serving people, God says, I will guarantee your own personal refreshment. God will come and he will refresh you. I'm telling you, let's go out of our way. Let's go above and beyond to reach people. Jesus did. Let's follow his example. And it's because of great people in small groups, small group leaders. You're my favorite, man. I'm so proud of you because it's people like you and our dream team and the people that served on that day that Matt and Rosie showed up. That led to their transformation. I want you to see another story of what God's done in the life of somebody here at this church. Hey, everybody. I'm in the car with Andreas. He's driving real safe. Ten and two. But we're on our way to Rashawn's house, and Rashawn is a guy who's been coming to church now for a couple of years, and this guy is amazing. Such an encourager. He serves at the AU on Wednesday nights, just welcoming kids in and making them feel welcome right away. He has such an ability to connect with people. I love his heart. And he led a small group that I just found out this week. He led a small group where he flipped the bill to pay for an elementary school gym, just so he can house a small group to play basketball. I had so many kids coming to play basketball. That's just amazing, man. He's an amazing guy. I heard his basketball game is not that good, so we need to pray for that. But he's an amazing man, and I can't wait for you to hear his story about how this church, how Jesus through the Church of Fellowship changed his entire life. All right, here we go. You ready? Let's do this. Go. Come on, let's go. Fellowship Church, home invasion. Oh, good Lord. That is a dog. (laughs) That's a big dog. How you doing, man? Do you love your church? I do love my church. You love us jumping in and surprising you like this? Not not really.
3: (laughs) I didn't didn't grow up in the church or anything like that. So um, so it was just me and my mom and I lived with my stepdad and uh, things got rough at home. Uh, my brother ended up going off to college and I was like my guy, you know, I looked up to him. I was always wherever he was at. So then when he left, you know, I, I felt lost. And then I, I ended up leaving home. I ended up leaving my mom and, you know, everything that she was going through. I was about 16 years old when I made this decision. When I ended up moving down to the Bay Area with my grandmother, went to school, was playing basketball. That year, you know, she, 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 didn't, she didn't want me there anymore. My grandmother ended up, you know, telling me, you know, you got to go. I can't, I can't handle it. And I ended up moving with my godbrother. There was a lot of parties and just hanging out and party, drugs, alcohol, and you know just all all that stuff, man. All the stuff that the world has to offer. High school, you know, I squandered it, man. And two months before my graduation, I'm going to hang out. You know, we're gonna go smoke some weed. This police officer, she, I see her, and I, I drive off, and at, before I know it, I turn the corner and she pulls me over. She asks me. Uh, She's like, do you have anything in the car? You know, because I'm going to search it. You know, and I went I went along with it because I was like, I'm gonna tell you, I'm being truthful. So she goes and she uh she searches my car. We got the weed and the bong in the back. Um, and she's searching, she's searching. I'm on the curb, in handcuffs. There was these pills. She she took me in and I got arrested. I asked the police driver. I said, I said, am I going to jail? He was like, he was like, yeah, you're going to jail. I couldn't believe it. Um, you know, they, they they gave me a misdemeanor charge, and you know, I just started working, I was just working my butt off, but I never had anything to show for it. Just always, you know, always push back and can never get forward, so it's always like I'm taking two steps forward and three steps back. I came to that point to where um, I was sleeping out of my car, you know, and showering out of a 24-hour fitness. And in that time, I, I really didn't have God in my life, but I always knew He was there. It's crazy, because I, um, I went to the church before, went i sat in a couple times but um i got what i needed and i left everything that you said um i took it to heart and i just i just slowly man just started to change i felt like you know you were speaking directly to me and something just kept me coming back so i was coming i was coming um i ended up giving my life to christ and then the spontaneous baptism came i felt it in my heart you know it was like you have to do this this is something you're gonna do honestly after that moment you know Everything just felt different, man. Just weight was off of me, just felt light as a feather. I think that's what kept me going, man. Another thing that that just helped me um, was the prayer meetings, man. After a prayer meeting, um, Cameron, he came up to me and he invited me to a young adult small group. So I went um, and I was hanging out with Danny and, and the whole crew and we were playing games and I just dedicated myself to make sure I was in the small group every single week. I was like meeting all these people and you know, telling them, you know, what's going on with me and you know, they don't know me, but I don't know them, but we're still, we're connected. Like, we're, we have a bond, man. And in, the, in that season, man, it was just a time where I needed that. In that time that I was there for the couple of weeks, I was able to build a relationship with God, build a relationship with um, for, uh, people in the church. I could text them. Yeah. I could call them if I needed to. If I were to, you know, encourage anyone, just do it, man. You will never um, regret it. I'm walking in freedom. I begin to understand, you know, the Word of God so much joy in my life uh you know i'm always laughing i can't help but to laugh i serve um, on the prayer team now so i'm able to to uh, pray for people in their spiritual warfare and it's amazing man the prayer team is amazing i'm an usher i'm on empty night he's using me in, uh, in, in ways that i can never imagine going wherever i'm going i'm just bringing the light of god into the situation he's a god that wants to see us continue to go forward so um, I'm, I'm just running with him My name is Rashawn Bell, and I love my church.
0: Okay, write this down, everybody, that the church is a place to find healthy relationships. A lot of us have relationships, but some of them aren't too healthy. Rashawn said he felt lost, he felt alone, he was trying to do life by himself, and his life was spiraling out of control. Maybe some of you today can relate to that. But he found a small group of people. He went to their house in our church, just began to do life with them, Here's what he found. They loved him right where he was. And that's what he needed for that moment. And Galatians 6, 2 was fulfilled. The Bible says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. I think we'd all say, man, every believer in here would say, I want to fulfill the law of Christ. Okay, listen, it's safe to say we cannot fulfill the law of Christ if we are not carrying each other's burdens. This is imperative to the mission and the mandate that God has called us to as a church we're to carry people's burdens. You're either being carried or you're carrying somebody else. Those are the only two positions available. And, and Galatians 6 was so true with that. And, and Rashawn found he found a place to be loved. He found a place to be accepted. He began to grow. And write this down. A church is a place to help you find direction in life. It's a place to help you find direction. Rashawn felt lost. And, and you're asking people. I, one time we were in Berkeley. I was a, in high school. And uh, my friends and I were walking around, we were getting a coffee or something, and, and this car pulled up because there was no GPSs back then, and they said, hey, do you know where this place is? And my friend said, yeah, yeah, totally. You go straight down here, go down to the, um, this street, make a right, and then you'll see this store, and you'll make a left, and it'll be right there on the right-hand side. The car took off. I looked at my friend. I was like, he's not even from Berkeley. I was like, how do you know that? You, you know how to get there? He's like, no, I just made it up. <laughs> I said, man, I was messed up. Don't do that to people. You're confusing them. Well, here's the truth. There's a lot of us that have stopped for directions, and we got the wrong directions from the wrong people. And we've been going around world, the world with like a wild goose chase, a goose hunt, and it, we're lost. Like, where do we find purpose? Where do we find direction? I'm telling you, you need to go to God's Word. You need to run to the church. We want to help you. And listen, whoever walks through those doors, we give them the same treatment. It doesn't matter who they are or where they've been. We're going to love them. And we're going to point them right to the freedom in Christ. Amen, everybody. That's our heart. Whoever walks through the doors, we're going to love them and point them to freedom in Jesus Christ. I was driving down the street one day in San Francisco. And I didn't know where I was going, but I made a left turn. And and I saw this guy on the side of the road. He looked a little crazy, if I was honest. He starts yelling at me driving. My wife's in the car. I'm here. He starts yelling at me like, turn around. You, turn around. Turn around now. I'm like, oh, M goodness, Diana, do not look to the right because there's a crazy person. I mean, I was a little embarrassed, and it was weird. And he's just yelling at us. I'm like, How? he didn't know where we're going. All about three seconds later, I understood what he was talking about. I made a wrong turn down a one-way street that was going the wrong way. I mean, my wife screamed, ah, and I made a quickest 17-point turn I could to, get, to turn, turn around and go the other way. When I, when I first heard this guy, I thought, he's a crazy person. Like, this guy's insane. Now I understood what he was trying to do. He's trying to save me from crashing. I turned now. I drove past him. This time, he was no longer a crazy person. He was my best friend. I was like, thanks, buddy. Great job. Keep it up. I mean, it, was, it changed my whole perspective of him. And I'm just telling you, ladies and gentlemen, when you come to church, and you hear messages of us teaching you how to run to God and, and, and turn around. Please do not see us as a church that's just like, hey, you, turn around. You, you, turn around right now. Don't picture us as that crazy person. I want you to know we're just trying to save you from crashing. God has a purpose for your life. God has a plan for your life. He has a destiny for your life. And it's sometimes it's not the direction you're headed. you got to turn to God. We want to help you with that. We want to help you discover direction so you can have peace, hope, and the joy of the Lord. Amen, everybody. God's heart for us is this. We want to provide a clear pathway for you. But for honest, honestly, for some of you in the room, you feel like Rashawn, where he was. You feel like you, there's a lack of direction. You're not sure where to go, and nobody's helping you. Or you're getting all the wrong directions from the wrong people. Can I tell you, God's word is our compass. We go back to the Bible. And Proverbs 3, 5 says this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. Don't try to fix this. Don't try to work it out yourself. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God. He's the one who directs your path. Christ is the head of the church. The church is his body. I'm telling you, you'll find direction here. Sean found direction here. Matt and Rosie found direction here. Look at me, everybody. Let's go make another story together. I believe that there are so many stories yet to be written, so many lives yet to be restored. And as a church, we're going to step up, and we're going to watch and help and serve and pray and give so that more people can come to know the life-changing message of Jesus Christ.